0: Hi there, and welcome to Plant CEO. In today's episode, I'd like to welcome James Petrie, the co-founder and CEO of Nourish Ingredients. Hey James,
1: how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you.
0: Great to have you on the show. Um, your lab is currently in Canberra in New South Wales, in Australia, um, but you're at home at the moment. But um, in terms of Canberra, how far is that exactly from Sydney? Is it about two and a half hours away?
1: Yeah, about that. Um, we're about two and a half hours south of Sydney in the ACT, the capital territory. Yeah, not too far. Yeah, awesome.
0: Great. So let's start by you telling me what Nourish Ingredients is as a company.
1: So we're a startup. Um, we, we're about two dozen people at the moment. And uh, what we're doing, we're trying to build the sort of fats and oils, the lipids that, are, um, that make plant protein foods taste really good because at the moment we're using a lot of vegetable oil fat or a lot of vegetable oil and it doesn't really have that animal-like attribute that you want to get out of a out of an animal type product and so we're trying to fill the gap there by making the real deal making those animal fats but making them in a yeast platform so making them in fermentation so if you think about how you might um, brew beer at the moment and you've got a little yeast cell that spits out alcohol what we do is we get that yeast cell to spit out fats and oils.
0: Yeah. And so at the moment, in terms of, I guess, you know, alternative protein, um, what sort of fats are being used today in, in those products?
1: So it depends on the product, right? But the the ones that we most commonly see on labels are uh, a generic vegetable oil. So maybe canola or, a, or a, um, soybean oil, maybe, or a safflower oil. And then you've got more specialty ones like a coconut oil or a coconut fat, which might be hard at room temperature. And then you have maybe a palm oil as well. Some of them are using things like um, cocoa butter, which is the chocolate fat that gives you that really nice mouth coating. But, you know, while these have interesting properties, none of them are really animal-like in terms of the flavour, the aroma and exactly how they perform in the food. Yeah, great.
0: So I think um, it will be great to understand and, and maybe have like a one on one on what, um, you know, what fats are and uh, lipids, etc. But before we do that, let's play a little fun game. I'm going to call yeah, this right. good fat, bad fat. OK, so I'm okay. going to tell you a number of different items and, and products and oils, and you need to tell me if it's good fat or bad fat. Does that sound good?
1: All right, let's have a crack.
0: <laughs> okay first one uh, avocado
1: yeah pretty good yep good fat okay fish oil oh yeah very good
0: okay palm oil
1: yeah um not quite so good in fact i'd, I'd call that one bad
0: okay uh, beef
1: fat beef fat um it, it all depends on how much you eat and what else you eat not great not totally bad for you either
0: okay chicken fat
1: exactly the same as beef in that sense i mean and and all of these there's nuance to it right because all of these have some healthy attributes to them and they've also got some unhealthy ones yeah
0: okay vegetable oil
1: on the whole pretty good
0: okay sunflower oil yeah pretty good olive oil yeah good okay last one extra virgin olive oil
1: oh that's an interesting yeah so extra virgin i think um i think better. Um, I think it's a good one. I think it's better than um, normal olive oil. You get a lot of, not not because the oil itself is necessarily any different, but you get a lot of other good stuff coming out of the, out of the olive.
0: Okay. So I think let's let's unpick that now.
1: <laughs> That's a yeah. Thank you for um... the opportunity <laughs> to unpick. It. That's good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So let's start with some of those. So avocado oil, or avocado fat, I should say. What What's your opinion on that? And why is that healthy is it because it doesn't include cholesterol
1: that that's one reason so like on the whole um vegetable fats have a couple of things going for them right and and you know this includes um avocado um sunflower safflower whatever else it's the the oil itself is usually pretty good in terms of the fatty acids that make that oil up um but you also have a lot of other stuff you've got uh, carotenoids a lot of antioxidants that are present in that plant oil and instead of cholesterol that you might have in an animal product you'll then have a phytosterol um, which is actually quite good for you and so there's it's it's a complex reason but on the whole those sort of quality plant oils tend to be better for you
0: yeah and then when you you said that fish oil is is very good for you the fish are consuming marine uh, plants or you know algae for example and therefore absorbing the oils from those plants themselves so they don't naturally i guess produce that but and, and that's why that that oil is healthy basically is what you're you're also saying
1: yeah those omega-3 fats or those omega-3 fatty acids they're good for you so they have um you, you have two types of Omegas that people think about, or three with omega nine as well. You've got omega three, omega threes, and these are what you find in fish oils. Okay. And so, specifically the long chain omega threes that you find in in marine sources like algae and fish. And so, that's EPA and DHA. Right. And so, then you've also got, on the other hand, you've got omega sixes. Okay. Now, the omega three, they're, they're both important for good bodily function. And, you know, you need them both to maintain hormone levels and all the rest. But on the whole, omega-3 tends to be anti-inflammatory and omega-6 tends to be pro-inflammatory. And it's the ratio of these two that's really important. Now, the reason fish oil is really good for us is that in a Western diet especially, we tend to eat a lot more omega-6. And so, you know, you try and get that balance of intake between the two.
0: Right. Um, So what sort of foods has um, omega-6, which is high in inflammatory
1: So um, meat meat products do tend to be higher in omega-6 and some egg products, for instance, they all have um, omega-6. And so it's all about how much of this stuff you eat, right? And so the goal when you're talking about engineering a new type of fat, the goal is, you know, how much of the taste and experience can you capture while maybe also having an even healthier product than you would usually have with an animal, Yeah, it's a really exciting area for a lipid engineer. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about, I guess, your engineering experience, because you really got into the subject when you also recreated omega-3 oils, right, Uh, Mm -hmm. as a vegetable source. So it'd be great to understand that background. And then I think we should go and just delve a bit more into lipids and fats and, you know, trans fats. Yeah, Okay. Uh, Yeah. Well,
1: I'll, I'll give you the background because it's a fascinating story um you, actually when i when i went through university the the one part of biochemistry that i just didn't click with that i couldn't stand was actually lipid metabolism and lipid biochemistry and <laughs> and so it's pretty typical that i'd then end up in this um space for the rest of my career but um look so so what happened i i got sent to go and visit uh canberra the the csiro labs in canberra and they so go and have a chat with the researchers there and, and I met Surinder Singh, uh, who's you know one of the eminent plant biotechnologists uh, in this in this area and and he was just kicking off um, along with others at the uh, CSIRO here in Australia, kicking off a bunch of work on omega three engineering and so I joined that project and took about ten years um, but we we did it like with a company here in Australia we we built a canola fish oil um replacement so we we took genes from algae, and uh you know which are the primary producers in the ocean we took genes from those algae and we put them into canola and so um broadly analogous to what we're trying to do again here but you know with other types of animal fats is create a sustainable new source of these things and you know try and do it actually over in the uk you guys have got a similar project at Rothamsted research and they've done similar work with camelina it's a yeah, fascinating area um, for lipid engineers. But you know, when we got to that when we got to that point of actually having produced this fish oil type um, oil in canola, it really unlocks you know your thinking around what is possible in this specialized lipid field. You know, how far can we how far can we go and create uh, better experiences for the consumer? Certainly, more sustainable ones, and uh, hopefully even healthier ones.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the, I guess a one-on-one on on uh, fats and, and lipids. Can you explain a bit more about, you know, their function? You, you spoke about the taste profile and why that's important, and be good to talk about cholesterol as well.
1: Okay, so lipid lipid is a catch-all term, right? So there's loads of different types of lipids, and generally, what it means is that it's it's not soluble in water; it's like soluble in um, a non-polar solvent, and and so what that means technically is, um, you know, when you drop a when you then well, I mean non-technically when you drop a bit of oil on water, it will float. Okay, and so yeah. that's the sort of class of molecules. And but it's very broad. So you got you've got fats and oils, and we'll talk about them in a sec. Um, and then you've got things like the cholesterol family, uh, and then you've got and other sterols, and then. There's a, whole, there's a whole range of types of things. The ones that we're really interested in are the um, fatty acid-based ones. So if you think of a fatty acid molecule, um, what the, the way we usually consume these things is you'll have a glycerol backbone, which has three positions on it, one, two, and three. And a triglyceride has three fatty acids on that backbone, okay, hence the tri. And what those different fatty acids are is really diverse, so it can be a whole bunch of different types of um, fatty acids. But when you put different ones together, it can give you a really different consumer experience in terms of how you uh, perceive it in your mouth and on your taste buds.
0: Yeah, is that bad for you, like if you overconsume it?
1: So it's a really rich energy source, which is where a lot of the problems come from. So if you eat too much fat, then you're going to get fat right, because it's basically how we store fat in our, in our bodies as well. It's as a triglyceride. Yeah. So you want to, you know, it's all about moderation, but there are, there are some more nuances to it, right, because the types of fatty acids that are present on there can have effects on your cholesterol as well, okay? So, you know, there are two types of cholesterol. There's the good cholesterol and the bad cholesterol, right? And so yeah. if, you, if you have the wrong sorts of fatty acids on that triglyceride molecule, that can lead to accumulation of that bad cholesterol. Yeah, Whereas if uh, you have good ones, it can lower
0: it. The bad one is the LDL and the good one is the HDL cholesterol. So let's think about meat uh, and chicken. They have high levels of also bad cholesterol, which will basically start to build up and clog up arteries, right? So what other things have, you know, we, we spoke about that in, in that game earlier, um some of the, the other bad ones like could be the omega6
1: what we're trying to do with our um, so if you have too much if you to have too much of a natural animal fat then the sort of fatty acids that are present as well as the fact that that food actually contains that meat food actually does contain cholesterol itself this can lead to getting more of that bad type cholesterol so the angle we're taking is first of all our yeast doesn't have any cholesterol in it for a start. Okay. And then the second thing is if you carefully choose what those different fatty acids are, you can get a healthier outcome. So you can promote the good type of cholesterol. You can promote the LDL, I'm sorry, the HDL um, and, and lower the bad one um, by being careful about what you, how you assemble that triglyceride. And so we're trying to, you know, it, it sounds a bit cheeky. We're trying to have the best of both worlds in the sense that we want to recreate the experience, but we, try and do it in a healthy way as well.
0: Yeah, so that's pretty awesome because I think, I guess the point is when you start potentially adding your ingredients to these existing products that are trying to recreate the old protein, you could actually get healthier than the, the ones that are available in the market today.
1: I mean, that's that's the goal. And it's a, it's a big topic, right? Because it's not only about the, the fat or the oil uh, that is present in these foods. It's also about the whole ecosystem that surrounds it, right? So in, in our view, we we want more people eating plant protein foods, okay? And one of the barriers to mass adoption is that it doesn't taste the same and it doesn't have that same experience when you bite into it. Yeah, and totally. that's that's what we want to try and change is, can you really make this food shine and sing? And part of the solution there is the fat.
0: Yeah. and um, Why is it so much that you're getting the... The flavors, the taste profile from
1: fat—it's a good question. There's, um, it's a complex answer. There are a lot of cooking reactions that happen. So when you when you brown up a bit of meat, for instance, and you you start to smell that roasting smell, um, a lot of that a lot of what you're perceiving um, actually comes from the type of lipids that are present in that bit of meat. And so that's something that's really hard to, to recreate with a, a plant fat you don't get those same signature molecules being generated. And that's one angle that we're going after.
0: So at the moment, you're busy in the labs experimenting with trying to recreate different types of animal meats. Is is that correct? And which ones are you focused on? And and which will be first out to market for you?
1: Yeah, we we are creating a bunch of different animal fats at the moment. And so the ones that we're looking at broadly Uh, we're looking at dairy fats we're looking at meat fats and um, that you know different ones are at different levels of progress in terms of where we're up to we're still a seed stage company um, as they say and so we're still relatively early in that process but some of them some of them are, are you know reasonably impressive now already in terms of how we how we're perceiving them and how our our partners are perceiving how they're performing, so we're yeah. we're pretty confident we're on the right track. But I don't want to mislead you in the sense we've still got more work to do to get them out there.
0: Yeah. So thinking about dairy, then, um, mm. what are the first sort of use cases that you'd see within the dairy industry?
1: I think dairy is a fascinating one because you know we talked earlier about that triglyceride molecule with you know three different fatty acids. Dairy is particularly unusual. Like one of the fatty acids that's present on that triglyceride molecule is what they call a short chain um, fatty acid. So it doesn't have very many carbons in it. And that's something that's really unusual. It's not um, widely present in the plant kingdom. And so recreating that dairy signature, you know, when you bite into a full fat versus a low fat ice cream, say, you know, the difference immediately, like recreating that is pretty tough without using an actual milk fat. And so that's, that's one of the applications that we see is uh, foods where you really want to hit that, hit that dairy signature um, moment when you bite into it and you get that Ah, yeah I know I know what I'm eating now that's that's the sort of food that we're targeting
0: right awesome and it's nothing to do with casein
1: so that's a protein right and that's those people
0: yeah Um, but But, but that also does that add to there's a lot of people who are are focused on casein right trying to replicate that especially within alternative milk yeah very
1: important Yeah. yeah
0: So explain the difference between, because are you getting any taste or or sort of more like, you know, texture profile within that protein or not?
1: You do get, so it's a complex thing, right? You know, milk is a quite a complex liquid and meat is very complex as well. So part of the solution is the proteins. Part of the solution is the fats and oils. And then part of the solution is the other stuff, you know, the antioxidants the carotenoids all of the other elements that you have in that food so when you put them all together it needs to resemble the real thing okay and and i think people have been very diligently working on the on the protein end uh both in terms of casein and and other you know other whey type proteins uh but then we've come at it from the fat perspective and said you know this is the little part that we want to try and nail
0: got it so who do you think is you know I guess, doing some really great work already in, in the, the protein and the, and the casein area?
1: I, I love Perfect Day. I reckon they're doing an awesome job in terms of their um, dairy protein work. We do have some in Australia as well. We've got a, a little startup company called Eden Brew, who is doing very similar um, or doing s- somewhat similar work around uh, milk protein production. And there are different, different elements or different ways to tackle that problem. Um, and there are a bunch of companies that are really active in the protein space. It's so it's so exciting. Like when you when you look at this transformation that's happening around food and how we how we build it and how we and how we eat it as consumers, there's this shift taking place to, you know, everyone's starting to think, how do we make this more sustainable? How do we make it more intelligently? And this is being now added as another bucket from which we can take our food tremendously exciting
0: yeah Yeah. and I think uh, it's quite cool that you've created yourself as an ingredient company that means that you could allow yourself to work with these other companies and form partnerships and then potentially one day there'll be like some you know acquisitions that happen that will create some you know uber company that has it all right has has cracked the protein has cracked the fats and they all come together and you can all work together to reproduce to a really high degree, the same product that you're used to, but without the bad stuff in it?
1: it I mean, it might, it might end up there. I don't know how it'll end up in terms of who buys who, but if, if you don't get bogged down in that sort of exit um, thinking, the, the future that you just described as a whole is exactly where it is. You know, At the moment, um, the alternative protein food space is still maturing right? So if you look at a traditional food industry, you've got this mature supply chain where you have a whole bunch of people along that supply chain, and each of them nails that particular part of it. And today, um, we have a different scenario in the plant protein and alternative protein space, um, uh, where you have companies trying to do the whole lot. Um, We feel that that is going to mature more into the direction of a traditional sector, okay? Because uh, the expertise and the understanding that can build good fat is not necessarily the same as the expertise and understanding that builds a good protein. But when you put them together, oh, wow. Yeah, you can you can really change it up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, interesting, it's, it's a bit like heart to heart. Do you remember that show years ago, where you have, <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you put them together, <laughs> they create yeah, <quite> wow. amazing <laughs> <laughs> This is my boss. Jonathan Hart, a self-made millionaire, He's quite a guy.
1: This is Mrs. H. She's gorgeous. She's one lady who knows how to take care of herself. By the way, my name is
0: Max. I take care of both of them, which ain't easy. Cause when they met,
1: it was murder. I, I won't say I was an avid watcher, but you know, <laughs> I get what you're saying. It, there's
0: probably people listening to the shows like, "What are they on about?" <laughs> <laughs> that show was from years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, thinking about, I guess, um, competitors now, or, or you might see them as as friendly. <laughs> Uh, you know, partners that also do this. Is, is there other people in other markets, uh, maybe in Israel or Singapore, that are tackling the fat side of, of this as well, like similar to what you, you were doing?
1: There are. And I think some of the, some of the competitors that my mind goes to automatically is, are those in the cellular agriculture space. Okay. And so what this means is you have um, people sourcing protein from uh, plants, You have people like Perfect Day sourcing protein from um, yeast or, you know, cells that they grow up. And then you have people who are taking the animal cell and growing that up directly, right? And so that's where cellular agriculture comes in. And there are some companies who are doing that with fat cells um, from animals. And so they're they're creating um, fat from the animal itself. Now, that sounds on the face of it really attractive. And it's like, yeah, let's just do that. But it's a little bit more involved than that because for for a couple of reasons, one of them is cost, right? It it is expensive to grow these types of cells. And I think we've still got a ways to go before it's going to be economical. But the the second reason is we're not pairing up that fat with the same protein and the same rest of the food that that fat comes from in the first place. Okay, so now we're trying to pair up, say a cow fat that they might grow up with a plant protein. Okay. And that's very different to a beef protein. And so in our view, you actually are better off trying to understand what are the elements of the fat that really makes it unique and really makes it sing to you in terms of your taste buds. And can we nail that and just leave the rest of it behind? Because it might be bad for you. We don't want it. It's not adding much. And can we just bring through the parts which are really nailing that consumer experience? And if we can accomplish that, then that that's how the whole plant industry space explodes.
0: Right. So if these companies who are going down the, the cell-based route, are they able to take out the bad stuff when they're growing those cells? Or is that too far in the future? Because it seems to me that you're able to do that. You know, yours doesn't yeah. have cholesterol, for example.
1: It's, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, I don't know the answer. I don't know how far they're willing to push that. Technically, absolutely, you could. Whether people are ready to eat a, eat a modified animal cell line product, I, I don't know about that. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's also, yeah, it's very much an ethical question whether you choose to have it in the first place, right, I guess, uh, yeah. as well.
1: I think it brings up an important point. Like there's different, we, we view ourselves as a, effectively a technology agnostic company in the sense that we use a whole bunch of stuff. Um, across the spectrum of tools available to, to reach the goal. And we do that because we understand that some customers want to nail the, um, the taste. Other customers want to nail the health and sustainability. And some of them don't want a GMO at all. And so you've really got to understand that mix and try and cater to all of them. And so we have solutions that span that sort of space.
0: Okay. So some lipids contain vitamins such as A, D, E, and K. Cool. Is that something that you're looking to add to your products? Maybe not immediately, but maybe in the future?
1: That's a good question. I hadn't been, but I'm going to jot it down and we might send you a check one day or something. Okay.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Be more than happy.
1: <laughs> but I, but I, think it, I think it underlines the point, right? So we, um, in highly processed foods, we've tended to really simplify what it is that we're eating in a sense where you take an unprocessed food and a natural food it's got a whole bunch of stuff in it, you know, whether it be these lipid soluble vitamins or it be um, other stuff that might be good for you. And and I think we've, you know, we've got the opportunity to, as as we go down this path of building these new foods of the future, we've got the chance to reverse that trend a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So tell me about your funding to date. And, you know, so you have raised a good round for your seed. Tell me about your investors and how you got to that stage that you're in
1: now? Yeah. Okay. So we've raised uh, 11 million US. We are still a seed round um, company. So we're still pretty early stage, but we are going to go out the door again before too long. Um, I I think that, you know, the, the magnitude of that uh, sort of seed round, it's a big seed round. It's not, you know, it's not the the biggest, um, but, it is big, and I think that's a reflection of the heat that's in this plant protein space or this alternative protein space at the moment. And it's because everyone can see the the potential of the of the space and really wants to bolster it up as much as possible to make it shine. Now, I, I think one of the or well, one of our investors um, is Horizons Ventures, uh, and they have a long history of out of Hong Kong. They have a long history of. Investing in these plant protein type companies and alternative protein type companies,
0: including I think was it impossible that they invested in ages ago,
1: yeah, and Perfect Day and yep. Perfect so Day, so they yeah they're they're right in this um, in this space. The other one, Main Sequence Ventures, uh, they are based here in Australia and they've been very supportive uh, so far, and so we're we're really excited to have both of them. Um, and they I think they complement each other pretty well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what's the plan with uh, the initial raise? Are you looking at new equipment labs? What, what is it that you're going to be focusing on with that investment that you've got?
1: Look, I think like most uh, startup companies, we began using external R&D uh, teams. We, we have still have um, very good links with the CSIRO uh, here in Australia, our national research agency. And also um, other universities, um, Flinders, QUT, and others scattered around here. That you know, we, we reached a point that I think, <laughs> again, a lot of startups reach where we needed to internalize some of that um, because you need more control over day-to-day processes in order to move faster. And so we've just finished fitting out a new laboratory space for us uh, here in Canberra, Australia, and we uh, yeah we that that was a that was a process. Um, it, takes a lot of time and effort, but it is worth it because it lets you now really finally control and be responsive to the sort of R&D we need to do. And really, you know, it's, it's, it's more than that because then you can also tie it to the rest of your business directly. So when you have your internal R&D team sitting with your internal marketing people and your business people and your commercial director and IP, they, they all sort of feed off each other. And you know, when you get that cross-pollination, tremendously powerful. Yeah. But, you know, having said that, the externals are still really important part of what we're
0: doing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so will that be enough? It's not really, at the moment, it's kind of like this: the early stage R&D to get the product to, you know, refine it before you look at maybe another facility where you have even bigger tanks, for example, where you can scale, start to scale up. Is that something, or would it be like, well, we've created the research, Now we'll go to an external company who can actually, you know, traditional fermenting, uh, uh, you know, brewery, for example, that can then scale that product up. Is that what you think? Or do you think you'll start to then need the cash to buy your own scaling facility?
1: I think it'll be a bit of both. I think it's really product dependent, okay? So for some of the products that we're building, they're relatively low, you know, they're, they're still more, they're still, higher than um, a competing vegetable oil or, or even animal fat. But the, the cost of goods is such that you need to reach an economy of scale um, that allows it to work. Otherwise, you'll bleed to death on your cogs, as one of our partners said to us. And so that, that's part of our thinking. But the other part is, well, we have some, um, some products which are at different volume requirements and different value. And, and you can afford to think a little differently about how you produce them I think it'll be a mixture um, I think one thing that's interesting is there's uh, really we're seeing a diminishing amount of fermentation uh, capacity globally because this is really being under you know people are understanding that this fermentation area has so much potential
0: yeah I just wanted to go back to your early days when you helped to recreate omega-3 oil using, using plant uh, extracts. Just to go back on the differences between 3, 6, and 9, and I think in general, like you said, that omega oil is very good for you, but also to balance hormones and also for even good for mental health, for example. Can you just talk a little bit about that and where you see that going? Now There's so many... Plant sources, and as we go more into a plant-based diet, vegan diet, that will start to increase. And I know there's many companies who are creating their own product lines on that now.
1: Look, it's it's an interesting question because there are not very many plant sources, okay? So this is a really common misconception. Um, People people see something like flaxseed oil or chia, right? And they see omega-3. That is not the same omega-3 that you'll find in fish oil or in, a, in an algae that grows in the ocean. So they're called long-chain omega-3s, and they're the ones that have really strong anti-inflammatory effects, good mental health effects, cardiovascular effects, okay? So these are, um, it's important to source the right type of omega-3 if you want that impact. And so that's something that uh, we see that, you know, that's one of the reasons we did that whole canola engineering project is because, well, how are you going to, how are you going to feed the global population enough fish oil? If you take them out of the ocean, you're not going to have many fish left, right? And so you, you want to try and create an alternative source that's more sustainable. And I, I think back in the day, we did a back of the envelope um, calculation. Actually, I remember we were driving to a meeting, and you know one of our colleagues was in the back seat, literally with the back of an envelope. <laughs> we figured out that one hectare of this crop will create as much of that DHA molecule or, you know, a couple of acres of this crop will create as much of that DHA molecule as 10,000 kilos of wild-caught fish. Wow, that's amazing. It's like that's that's a staggering figure. And, you know, we had to double-check it. Then, but it's a staggering figure because the sustainability implications of this sort of technology are immediately made crystal clear. Yeah. You know, you can, you can make this same type of animal fat but you don't have to take it out of the animal. And that's really appealing.
0: Totally. Um, so as a consumer, what should consumers be looking for when they're looking at uh, Amiga oils, for example? What What do they need to know? So it's sourced in the, in the way that they get these long long chain uh,
1: benefits. So have a look on the back of the... If, if you go, next time you go to your supermarket um, in Australia, that'd be Woolies in, in the UK, I guess it's yeah. Tesco's. Yeah. Pick up a tuna can and look on the back, and in the, in the nutritional breakdown, it'll have a couple of fatty acids listed, EPA and DHA, okay? Those are two acronyms, but I'm not yeah. going to read out the whole name for you. But EPA and DHA, they're two long-chain omega-3 oils, okay? And so if you look at other products, um, say an infant formula, um, a lot of them will have those same ones. They don't take it from fish. They'll usually take it from a marine algae, which is the primary producer for the infant formula. So they're the ones that you really want. And the same with supplements. Um, go and go and compare the back of, say, a flax oil um, jar with a fish oil jar. And you'll see now that you have these two different types of omega-3. You want the long-chain marine type
0: got it and that there are companies who are really investing on the algae side and there's so many different use cases like um i interviewed this company called back of the yard algae sciences and there were you know again have having these uh tanks that will create uh, algae but the use cases were as colorants you know natural colorants for example but also for protein oils as well so i know there's there's developments happening in that space and that's quite exciting too
1: i think it's great i i love this sort of alternative way to create these products. i mean the one the one that you're probably um talking about is called astaxanthin and and, and other carotenoid molecules and you know when you you um, take a fillet of salmon. How You have that really nice pink-red sort of colour. That's usually derived from an algae that grows in the ocean, very similar to the omega-3 oil accumulation. Like It eats these smaller fish which have eaten the algae and, and then it sort of bioaccumulates. And, and that astaxanthin molecule um, is really quite valuable um, as a colourant but also as a healthy antioxidant. So, yeah, you can get a lot of good stuff from algae um, yeah. I, I think one of the limitations is the cost of growth, uh, which is still a bit tough to uh, a tough hurdle to get over, but people are making headway.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that because I remember in Seaspiracy, they they were talking about they were adding that sort of red colour to fish mm-hmm. to give it that salmon colour even though it might not have been actually salmon. I don't know if yeah. you've seen in that um, because I guess those fish aren't getting that that uh that plant the natural
1: means. algae yeah, yeah yeah
0: exactly
1: it's interesting and, yeah, it, and it goes to show how um how we associate certain attributes of the foods that we eat with the real thing and with health and it and it can be unconscious as well like that i, I talked about the dairy example earlier it's the same yeah. with meat when you bite into it if it's got that real type of fat your you, your body knows and you 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 nostrils know and you, you know the volatiles hit the right parts of your anatomy and you just go bingo that's the that's the business
0: yeah um so let's talk about uh just trans fats and hydrogenated mm. fats right can you just explain about that and how your product will be in in relation
1: okay so the short version is we don't have any of that stuff right yeah. so we, we don't go down that trans fat path you should avoid trans fats they're really not good for you and so the way, the way that came about is that uh, you, you take a normal vegetable oil that we talked about earlier, and it's liquid, right? So the difference between a fat and an oil is just that one's liquid at room temperature, the other's solid, okay? Right. But chemically speaking, they're, they're very similar. They're both triglycerides. Um, if you want to make a liquid fat solid or, you know, a, a, an oil hard, you do a process called hydrogenation, which strips out all the double bonds that are in those fatty acid molecules, makes them all saturated. Okay. Now, if that process is not complete, if that hydrogenation process to strip out all of those double bonds is not complete, you can sometimes be left with a different type of double bond called trans double bond or a trans fat. And this is the one that will get into your eyes and mess you up in your arteries. Um,
0: What do you mean get into your
1: eyes? Oh, so macular degeneration can be caused by trans fats. And so in, in part, I'm, I, I want to make it clear to your audience, I'm not a medical yeah. doctor. This is just <laughs> yeah. stuff that I've you know, read in articles, but yeah. um, it's, it's not really healthy for you. So do avoid trans fats um, is my understanding of the current advice. Right. And, and one way to get around that is just to get the, the yeast in our case to naturally make oil or fat that is hard. Okay, so you can change okay. the types of fatty acids that are present on that triglyceride molecule. And if you get the mixture right, you get a hard fat instead of a soft oil.
0: And right. that's
1: the way the, that's, that's the way we're getting around that.
0: That's the question I want to lead to. So you will be creating hard fats, basically, if it moves from hard to, to a liquid, does that change the profile then? Uh, and, you know, the health benefits
1: potentially? No, it doesn't. So the The reason hard fats or saturated fats are often perceived to be bad for you is because of the types of fatty acids that are present, okay? So one of them in particular, um, you could point to and say palmitic acid, okay? So this is the one that's commonly found in palm oil, hence the name, Um, and it is 16 carbons with no double bonds, okay, saturated fat. Now, that one can, um, not not so much in dairy fats, but in some other type of animal fats, say, that palmitic acid can lead to that bad cholesterol accumulating in your body. There are other types of saturated fats, for instance, one with 18 carbons um, or stearic acid, which don't have that negative health effect and still give rise to a very hard fat. So that's an example of how you can achieve the same end result, but you can do it in a way that's possibly healthier for the consumer.
0: Yeah, so you know the amount of carbons would mean that it's, it's stronger and therefore more solid. Uh, um,
1: it has a different melting temperature effect. Okay.
0: Yeah. So what next for you, like in terms of the next, uh, you know, half of this year, you probably look to raise again towards the end of this year or even look at your Series A next year. Is that what the plan
1: is for you? Yeah, we're always looking about our next raise, trying to figure yeah. out the right timing. It's, uh, you know, as a, from a science background, this is all a dark art um, in in a sense. Um, What what we're concentrating on at the moment is we've we've started to build uh, our intellectual property up in these different areas that we've been talking about. We're broadening that as time goes on, but we're beginning to turn our attention to products that people can actually start to test and use. And so, as you said earlier, this is something that we do have the luxury of working directly with food experts from other companies on, and we're beginning that process now where we can start to get people to play around with this stuff and iterate because I'm, I'm sure that what we built in our version one is not perfect. And, and I don't think um, that our partners will hesitate to tell us that. And so, but, but then the advantage of working in a platform like a yeast, a fermentation platform, is that it's really fast to iterate and that we can make changes on the hop.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, awesome. So, yeah, really wish you the best of luck and thanks for the great insights. And, yeah, really cool what you're doing. Yeah, making fat sexy, if you like.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that's the goal. And I think that's part of the problem, right? It's it's not a sexy topic, um, fat, but it is so important to how good food tastes. And, and that's the part that we want to really nail. And yeah, it's tremendously exciting for us. But look, thank you for having us on um, the show. I really appreciate it. So
0: you're welcome. Yeah. Good.
1: Hope to see you again soon. Good on you. Have a good day.
0: Yeah. Take care. Bye bye.